The unorthodox haven will cover a wide range of topics to offer unique perspectives pushing back on conventional wisdom. We hope to inspire self-discovery over emulation. We believe you should think outside the box, regardless of what it looks or sounds like to others. Here at Unorthodox Haven, there is no right or wrong answer, just your own unique perspective. My name is Sarah Madison, and it was Sarah Roscoe, but my married name is Madison, and I'm the sister of my brother Emmett George Roscoe Jr., and I'm his baby sister, okay. his younger sister. So what's your background? Um, I am um, a retired Marine. Um, I love helping my family, so that's my background. Mm -hmm. Nice and sweet. <laughs> all, right, all right, so I guess you can just get into, like, I guess, your brother. So just, mm -hmm. that's why we're here today. Yeah. So um, I guess take me from the beginning, from the start. My brother's incarcerated um, due to a series of events that happened prior to his incarceration. However, um, just from the beginning, it's messed up. Like, from the abuse he went, to, went through as a child, that led to him being homeless as a child being homeless. Mm -hmm. That led him to want to work and try to provide for his new then, you know, girlfriend who was pregnant with his baby girl at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, he just wanted to go legit. He wanted to get his birth certificate and his social security card from my father. Mm -hmm. So that man he was working with could take him legit and, like, help him make more money for his new and upcoming family. And I just remember the night he came in at our house and he saw my dad putting his hands on me and he had enough and he, he wanted just his birth certificate and his social security card. That's all. Mm -hmm. And I never saw my brother again after that. He was um, kicked out of the home. Wasn't really much of a home, but it was all we knew. And the next time I saw my brother, his face was on the local news. We never received a phone call what to happen to him or anything. My brother's just plain and simple. When he went, when they arrested him, um, he asked for a lawyer. The first thing he asked for was a lawyer and to call my mom. Call my mom or to call his, his baby's mother. How, how old was he? When mom? he was uh, 18, 18. He just turned, he was 18. And um, he just wanted to call home and he just wanted to let somebody know I, you know, I need a lawyer or I'm okay, you know, anything. But that was never offered to him. They told him, they just told him, you're not in New York and no lawyer is walking through the door for you. Mm. So for the next 13 hours was, you know, his his beginning to hell. Mm. So I mean, we knew hell because we grew up in it. But really, this was his beginning of his journey by himself into his hell. Okay. So. So what happened after that? So he got so he gets locked up. What is, what is he gonna do for? What is what is he? Apparently there were you know I don't really do too much about going into the case because that's his story to tell. But mm -hmm. um, he went in and um, robbery charges and things about gun charges and malicious wounding. Nothing about no no murder, mm -hmm. uh, kidnapping, any type of sexual related charges or anything like that. First time offender actually uh, okay. never even 
was stopped by the cops for a traffic ticket. He didn't even have a get to experience driving a car, getting a license. So um, what happened after that, they held him until he was 20 years old and they had a trial. And um, yeah. So he sat and waited for trial for two years? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, what's, What's interesting about it all is None of this would have or should have could ever be. It should have never. He asked for a lawyer. Or he never got one. And if I could end my words right now, that's just where it would end. Because you asked for a lawyer. Simple. But it continued to go. And everybody up that chain of command and down that chain of command allowed it to happen. He lost his life. And not only did he get incarcerated for 140 years plus. First time offender, 18 year old. He got, oh, yes. Whoa. He got <laughs> sentenced to 140 years? Yes. Ooh. Yes. Sheesh. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Um, so I, I guess, okay, so. He sat for two years, and then they went to trial, and they found him guilty. And jury found him guilty. Um, they claimed to have had a confession. Um, with that, there was there's this video of my brother's initial questioning, and that the, every document that we have is time stamped. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at all of the paperwork and just put everything in chronological order as mm-hmm. it happened. Um, not only is he a saying this but it's saying it for itself as well so when he um asked for a lawyer one of the first detectives noted in his report summary um i could not question mr emmett roscoe any further after he asked for a lawyer and then nine hours later they secured a confession Mm. That would be totally impossible to do, um, especially without legal counsel and the fact that he's telling you he was not there, he did not do it. Mm. He said, I'm going to tell you a story, and if you want to go home, if you want to walk out of here, because I got you for murder trial, they can lie to you. I've I've gone to school for criminal justice and everything, all behind my brother because I wanted to get the intricate details on how the system worked. I wanted to know how to be in it to think like them so I could oppose kind of how like Martin Luther King would sit at the table with the KKK, the leader of the KKK, two separate opposing thought processes, but he wanted to know. And that's how I used to be. I feel that. So, um, that happened. And, um, you have people in the circuit court in the Commonwealth of Virginia, you know, admitting that things were redacted and their definition of you know, redacted from it. That technically means that they removed sensitive information. Mm-hmm. But what they did was not remove sensitive information. They turned his his questioning and they from redacting sensitive information, it turned it into a confession that my brother never gave. And the paperwork also shows that as well. Black and white. That's great. How long how how long ago did this did this happen? My brother went to prison after getting convicted in two thousand and ten. So three years ago, so he's twenty three now. Or oh no, two two thousand and ten. Like two thousand ten. Oh, yeah, two thousand ten. My brother's been in in prison for fourteen years. Sheesh. Yes. Right, so sheesh. I don't even know. Like. So so what now? I mean, like. We only were able to get our hands on this paperwork, as you know, the legal system. They have uh, ways around things and. Mm-hmm. Well, just for his paperwork, it was over $1,000 just for 
pieces of paper, paper just to get the paperwork. Um, his first time putting his hands on his transcripts or even being able to actually physically look at what he was looking at and be able to put his mind together on how to like educate himself on how to read what he was reading and understand what he was reading because a lawyer never did their job to explain it to him properly. Um, also, I would like everyone to know my brother did not finish high school. He also couldn't read or write when he went into prison. I got his letters from when he first went in to him now. They would expect him to go in there and start doing everything statistically all black men are labeled to be doing in and out of prison. That's not what he did, though. That's not what he did. So, um, yeah, he, he couldn't read or write. That's heavy. So, obviously, naturally, so it would take him a long time to kind of put it all together because if you're reading on an eighth grade education and you've been locked up and incarcerated for so long, you have all that time to teach self-taught, teach yourself. And the guys around him definitely helped him to educate him and help him out. Yeah, so yeah, that's scary to even think about something like that and going through a process like that without no kind of, you know what I mean, just getting railroaded like that. Like to ask for a lawyer and not getting a lawyer and then everything that follows that still get used, you, used against you and you get convicted and that's wild. All right, so what's, what's, what's now? What's... What's now is I am. How, how can we fight this, or how can we? How, how can we? How can people help him? Like you know, well, what could the outside world do? <clears throat> well, first and foremost, um, pay attention. Like first, listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I always implore everyone to do their own research because it's out there. His stories, his petition. Um, his own court cases he won against Virginia Department of Corrections while he's been in there, acting as his own legal representation as well. That's out there. So I said, do you can you tell me about that? Like, yeah, he um, my brother was shot, and his jaw was actually broken. My brother couldn't even talk for a very long time while he got it fixed, but he was abused, um, sexually harassed, abused, um, and instead of responding submissively and quietly, he decided to take them to court, Red Onion State Prison, um, specifically the higher-ups, but more specifically the officers that were doing that to him. He took them to court, and he was his own representation, and he drafted all his own legal documentations. He submitted it all to the court. He knew exactly the language to use, and when he went in there, he won against decorated correctional officers, against wardens, and again, you know, going up against people whose profession is to be lawyers, and he actually went in and won. And instead of, that's, I think, where he learned how to use his voice. You ain't getting away with your hands. You can only get so far. And my brother picked up on that real quick. Us Roscoe kids, we excel in anything we do, whether it be prison or the United States Marine Corps, then we meet in the middle. So he knew he had it. He has it in him. He takes them to court. He fights them on their own platform, their own turf. He'll go right up in there with them and he'll fight them. He'll let them know he's educated. They sh- they shot him. They um, broke his jaw down. They leave him. He, they would scrap him to beds naked without clothes. They would stop his communication from the outside world. Tamper with his legal mail. Yes, 
tamper with this legal mail. How do you, how do you operate? How do you, you know, well, you, you probably can speak to it more so too, but how do you operate in a system like that? Like, you have to go back to my introduction with, to you and how I started on this show. It parallels perfectly. Initially, when she came to see me about this case, I told her about my experience at Red Onion, and it, it just, it emotionally just got to her. And when she began to tell me about her brother case, you know, I said, I'm not going to charge my services for the case. I'm going to tap into all my resources. Her brother has done what I did. Her brother, when I first time, the first time I was able to get him on the phone and talk to him, he said they would tell him, you act just like Donnell Blunt. I told him, take that as a compliment and be careful. Be careful. They beat him. They strapped him naked to beds, caused him to use the restroom on himself. They refused to feed him. They have tapped with his mail. They, have lived, they admitted losing $10,000 of his personal property he has in, in writing. All, everything that he's been able to accumulate over that period of time, it's gone. They threw everything away. You don't lose wow. that kind of property. They threw it away because this is a method that they utilize to deter you from going to court and being successful. Mm-hmm. They want to, they want to break you. Oh, that's the whole point. Like, it it is a breaking process. Those exact words. Yeah, it is a breaking process. Now, here's the kicker. When you and I spoke the first time, I told you there was a, a specific officer, Larry Ross Collins. Who do you think the officer was, the main officer was in his case? Larry Ross Collins. That set me on a, that kind of set me on a path. I have reached out to every resource available to me to bring this case to light. His sister is out here fighting. She has a, a baby, a small child. And she's torn between being a mother to her child. Well, I don't say torn. She, her time is torn because she has to nurture her child. She's fighting for her brother. And right now, she's more of the matriarch in her family. So she's carrying a lot on her shoulders. And she's a Marine. Oorah. So when I see this going on, I have to tap into what I can to bring light. All, I'm, all we're doing is just shed light on what's happening to Roscoe. He, they sent him out of state. Same thing they did to me when they sent me to Colorado. They sent him to where, where first? They sent him to Mississippi first uh-huh. and uh, then Maryland. How did, he leave, how did he leave Mississippi? What did he do? He filed a claim. He took him to court. And He's a target on his back from administration. It's one mm-hmm. thing to have a target mm-hmm. on your back dealing with, like, you know, rough housing with the inmates and things. No, he has an administrative target on his back. My brother's being moved around like he's Pablo Escobar or something like that. Sheesh. Yes. How did they, do you remember how they got him out of the state? Oh, it was, um, I'm always in contact with my brother, so it was like moving him in the middle of the night mm-hmm. on an interstate compact. Mm-hmm. No one knows. He doesn't even know when he's moving. The first time they moved him, they put him on a plane for the first time, and his anxiety shot through the roof because in his entire life, he's never been on a plane. They're using all these funds and all allocating for all the financial and fiscal things to move him around to keep him quiet, but they cannot use the same resources to bring him home to the state in which everything started yeah, in. Well. They want to write agreements and say, well, you got to promise you won't sue us before we bring you home just to just to save his life. That's going on right now. That is going on right now as I talk to you sit here. That's, That's why I have crazy. to show the world. You got to show them all. Mm-hmm. While I'm a mom, while I'm a sister, while I'm this and while I'm that, I have to do exactly what everyone did not do. Stay awake and send the email. Stay awake and send the call. I'll nap when I need to nap. The body has a way of doing that. But us Marines, we don't, we don't sleep until the mission is complete, and I'm not stopping. Let me, Simple. Let me ask this, you don't mind. What are they doing to him out there in Maryland? 
they broke his wrist down. Let me explain this to you. They first off told him after he filed a PREA complaint from being sexually assaulted by the uh, allegedly uh, sexually assaulted by Officer Middleton, that if he did not withdraw Jeff Hines, there's an officer named Hines and the warden name is Hines at the Maryland prison, that if he did not, in fact, pull back that PREA complaint, that they were going to send him to the North facility. My brother responded, well, I, I can't pull that back. My family, my family's advocating for me, and, and I, I'd hope you guys wouldn't do something like that. Their then respond to him is, well, we're going to send you to North, North Branch, and you're not going to like what's going on at North Branch. When he got to North Branch, he was beaten. Then he was standing in his cell naked. They suited up five guards, and I'm talking suited. You know the type of suited I'm talking about. And went and did a cell extraction for no, there was no need to even do a cell extraction. And I'm not going to go into details because we don't want to derail. After they beat him, they beat him subconscious. So he woke up after his asthma attack. He woke up in the floor of the cell. They knew they had to leave him at that point in time because if he succumbed to those injuries and his asthma, then they would knew they knew they would have to answer to that. And this prison is notorious for inmates passing away in their custody because I've done my research on them. Hmm. When they after beating him, they told him they would be back to do it again, and they did go back to do it again. They stripped him of all his personal property. They fractured his ribs. They manipulated his jaw again. And when he went to go grab his tray, which was empty, there was no food on the tray. He thought they were feeding him. They pulled him through the service slot and broke down his wrist and broke his arm, broke his wrist. Not to mention, they stopped feeding my brother. When I caught wind of this, oh, I went. I went as hard as I could go, and they still, in my face, would hang the phone up. One lady laughed at me in my face, but... I'm a professional, so all I do is just document it, take down the mental note, and keep pushing. Next thing you know, they turned his water off in his cell. And that's what he was using to sustain himself through his what he would call his own trial and tribulation at this time. They turned the water off, and then I said, no, nah, this is, he's in, let's treat him like an animal. This is torture. I've seen torture. With my own two eyes. Who do you hold accountable in these kind of situations? Every single person that I, that I have on my list. Every single person that's either heard about it or know about it and has done nothing to bring him home, done nothing to give him medical atten attention, and has done nothing to correct any type of wrongdoing to everybody. From the, tallest part of, uh, from the tallest part of the chain of command to the lowest level. Every single person in the seat, from the clerk mm. to the warden, to the director, to Homeland Security, who now is aware of his situation, to my governor's office, who now is aware of the situation, to my, to the senator's office, who is also aware of the situation. Everyone who's sitting in those seats, whom I put the uniform on to protect. Mm. People like me who don't come home walking tall, or we come home in a casket or a body bag. Mm. At some point in level, we've done that to secure those jobs for them. And they can't even make sure they preserve life. Basic water, food, and medical care is your human right. Word. Simple. And that is what the First Amendment holds up to. We can do any and everything we want in this country. The poorest man can sue the richest man. Till the richest man busts him in the head. 
But the thing about it, this brother has learned how to litigate. And I asked him, before I would throw my weight behind something and what little weight I have and use my voice for a person, I have to make sure you aren't going to get pie in my face. So I began to do my own internal research with my guys who are still throughout the system, guys that represent different compounds up there in the mountains. Like, hey, what kind of guy? I said, hey, bro, he's you. Like, he, he's, the, he's the new generation of you. Mm. I'm like, okay, I like this guy, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 no, he really is. He's good at what he does. And... I asked when I talked to him, I say, have you ever gangbanged? No. Have you ever assaulted officers, stabbed officers? No. Drug dealing, anything of that nature? No, no, no. So I'm like, okay, well, what made him a threat? You know, I have to ask these questions. Well, yeah. Because he litigates. The worst thing you can do in the Department of Correction is to pick up a pen and to articulate what they've done to you and then to reach out to the appropriate authorities and ask for help. Mm. You then become a danger because you are exposing what takes place behind those closed walls. The other thing he has, in addition to being a good litigator, is a family support unit out here that's willing to stop what they're doing, put things on pause, and fight for him, and to reach out to people who know how to amplify their voice. And I know how to reach out to you, you know, and have you help me amplify my voice. Uh, we've done another show on Prison Riot Radio. I have an interview coming up this week again with uh, Regina Mobile on Wavy TV 10. I've spoken to her about it. Like, we're going to amplify this. This is not something that's going to be swept under the rug. And but what we need though, there's an immediacy of this situation where they they're starving them. The same tactics, the same tactics they utilized when I was in uh, in there. They would take your tray in the food box, flip it over. Now that means the food is into the lid now, right? Yeah. Take that tray, flip it back. Now it's right side up, but it's empty. Take the lid from the next tray, set it on top of it. When you put it out, it looks like it's food on it, yeah. but it's empty. Give it to you. Now you look as if you're playing games because it's someone looking at the camera and say, hey, they gave you a tray. Mm. But the tray does not have any contents. That's what they're doing to him. Cutting your water off. You only have so many days, you, you know this, you, before you're dead, yeah. before you're hurting. He was showing severe signs of deterioration. Yes. And that's kind of what made me continue to go harder and harder and do whatever I could to, you know, ring the bell. But I, I want to add something real quick. Absolutely. Quickly, just so you know, because people have a, so people can have a good idea. As I sit in this seat right now, they're still doing and harming my brother. Yes. They have inmates right now walking up to him, his yes. door, threatening on what they're going to do with him. My brother was threatened with rape and death. My brother was threatened, a man, a, a beautiful man, someone's son. Could have been your brother, your cousin, your nephew, anybody. Being threatened by the people at the hands of the people who we pay to protect them. And being told, and they're using other inmates to manipulate other inmates to get them to do their bidding. And they think no one's paying attention. And they're walking in my brother's cell just this morning. Take the OC spray and spray his toilet. Mm -hmm. They're spraying his toilet. Come on. They, they are... Taking every way they can to impose and impart on him that if you keep ringing this bell, we will and we're going to get you. They are trying. My brother's confident they, they are trying to kill him. And because of what we've been doing, he's still not in general population right now. And that has to be a little tiny win, but it's not good enough. They want him to sign agreements just to preserve his life. None of none of this is right, or fair, or or. What, what's the guy's name? Kyle Roush. Kyle Rush. Kyle Rush. 
He's he's the Virginia Interstate Corrections Compact Coordinator. I was sent out of state compact, so I know the Compact Act. The Compact Act, a lot. Let me tell you what it is. It's called a banking system. Literally, you read the Compact. It says if one state sends a prisoner to another state, then that state shall have a credit in the state to send a prisoner as well. If it's not, then that credit shall remain in the bank. This is what the system says. So it's it's a there's a fiduciary relationship between these states to move us like cattle. Yes. But that and, and that being said, Roush has Rush Roush, how he says his name, he's a, he has the power to say, hey, send him back. Yes, he does. And they and they will send him back. He's actually sent an email saying that they're gonna bring him back. I have the email. So I read it with my eye, right? He said they're going to bring him back to Virginia, but they're delaying saying, oh, but they want him to sign a piece of paper. Well, first of all, when you're sent on an administrative uh, uh, transfer, Mm -hmm. they can bring you back anytime they so please because you are still property of the Virginia Department of Corrections. You belong to them. Unfortunately, it's a horrible way to look at it, say it, but that's the truth. That's the law. So they don't need him to sign anything. What they're doing is they're dragging their ass because they think no one's going to magnify and shine light on what we're doing. We can send his sister a couple of emails, and this should shut them up. We're not going to shut up. We're going to keep on amplifying their voice. She's going to keep amplifying their voice. They make sure that this does not get, uh, and even when he gets back, there is work to be done because he's still going to have a target on his back. Yeah, for sure. I'm speaking from experience. You haven't been there. You haven't been there. I did 22 years behind that wall. I did what I did with the success in court. This young man is a successful litigator. For everyone listening, please understand the worst thing you can do in the Department of Correction, especially in Virginia, is to become a successful litigator because it terrifies them. It, it challenges the status quo and it challenges what they do as a matter of course to keep you under their thumb and, allow, and al- allowing them to run roughshod over your constitutional rights. So when you speak up, you have a target on your back. They utilize false disciplinary charges, destruction of your property. Please tell them two things for me. Tell them about how they took your, would not allow your mother to see your brother at Sussex when he was here in Virginia. And then tell them about your mother's medical condition. So currently my mother is on hospice. She has um, uh, congestive heart failure and she's in liver failure. And there are multiple other medical things going on with her. And the doctors just can't do anything else for her. So now she's on hospice. She takes medicine for comfort, not for cure. Um when we were trying to fight for my brother on another situation years ago when he was at Sussex too, I believe, um, they actually put my mother and my little sister, who was a minor at the time, out and off like the property. And the way they did it was like a threat. It was they were the way they spoke to my mom, the way they physically handled her, with her being with my younger sister, is like they know they can do whatever they want. They think they're no one's gonna blow the whistle and really get something done behind it. Mm. But we have to understand how much money we're putting into as taxpayers into the system. Mm-hmm. So it's a vested interest in everyone to know what is going on. There's a fiscal responsibility, a human responsibility, and just the right thing to do. Wow. And I'm disgusted, to be completely honest. I put boots on ground in Afghanistan, helped me Proverbs 11, Istanbul, and Kuwait. I thought I was coming home in a body bag, and I just wanted to look good in my dress blues when my parents buried me. Mm. So they could sit over here 
just to get elected and get the right people behind them. And then when they do, we are still having black men dying in and out of the system. The only reason why my brother is not on a shirt right now is because they don't know should they be fearful of me yet. So awareness, awareness is what we need to, is what? Awareness is the first start. The start. Know is first. As I teach about, you know, I'm Muslim. The first thing in Islam is no. You can't act until you know. So once you hear what we're talking about, but there's a petition right now on change.org and it's going to be up on my page. It's done. Uh, you know, and anybody know, I do not make money off of my pages. Like not a penny. They are there to help people get home, period. So I don't monetize my pages. Um, so, but I, uh, Don, uh, Big Don Don, Basil Abdullah, and Donnell J. Blunt, Sr., paralegal. His stuff's going to be up there, and it's going to be on Roscoe, uh, Karen, uh, Roscoe Curran's page, his sister. I'll make sure, uh, I'll, I'll make sure all the links in the, in the description okay. and all that, and the, too. Bro- the brother's name is Emmett George Roscoe, Jr. Um, one more thing I, I want to say this right here. Once you know, then you have to act. Ask yourself this. If this were your child or someone you love, incarcerated, and being abused like this, would you want someone to pick the phone up and say, hey, I want an accounting for what their family is saying you are doing? Let me tell you something they have in the Department of Correction that would stop all of this. They wound up doing it with me eventually because I was able to convince the courts to make them do this. It's a camcorder. When they do set extraction, they're supposed to have a camcorder present. Mm -hmm. And you turn the camcorder on when you go to feed someone. You turn the camera on. You put it on the tray. Let let it be seen that there are contents in the tray. And you follow the tray until until it's in the cell. When you move this person in and out the cell, you always have a camcorder present. Initially, they would do this to me as the magnify like they needed all the security around me. But I realized eventually that, hey, that was probably saving my life. There was an officer whose name I'm not going to say that that had me placed on his status. That was his way of bucking his own system. When I left the compound, he met me at the transportation dock. I'm like, hey, I did that for your safety. So when I when I would go other places, I knew to ask for the camcorder. So if they put the camcorder on Roscoe, uh, Mr. Roscoe, then it alleviates what's being said and keep people away from his door. If they issue an order that no one's to go near his cell door, that stops people coming to his door making threats. Mm. But they need to bring him on back to Virginia. That's the first step. And then when they bring him back to Virginia, do not send him back to the place where he's won all these lawsuits. Do not send him to these high-level compounds. He went in the system at 18 years old, straight to a supermax. Straight. For a robbery charge. Supermax is designed for those who are a severe threat to to security and they can't be managed within the Department of Corrections. He went from receiving to a supermax. Why? To fill bed space. Mm. Those prisons weren't built. They were not built for Virginia prisoners. They were built to bring other prisoners from here from out of state. Yeah. Like, for instance, with Connecticut. Connecticut paid Virginia um, uh, 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 $200 million to bring 500 guys here for so many years. And then they lost the contract because they wound up, they wound up killing two of the guys from Connecticut. So Connecticut pulled their guys back out. And Virginia lost all of their out of, a majority of their out-of-state contracts. So they began to change the criteria for Supermax so that more prisoners in the system that came in, they use your age as a criterion. They use how much time you had. They care about the, char- the underlying charge. And they began to just warehouse people up there. So when you get up there and unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, fortunately you get a time to think. Unfortunately you get a time to think. Roscoe got a time to think, and Roscoe got a time to. When y'all hear what happened in his case, we're gonna. That's another episode. I'm taking on that case personally, and I, I I invite any lawyer that hears this to come on board. I'm working as a paralegal for you for free. I tell you, I'm gonna go a step further. I have two thousand dollars for any lawyer that comes on board, and I work as a paralegal for free. 
That money's in the bank already, so you don't have to worry about getting your money just to get started. So we want Ro- Roscoe's coming home. Like, that's, 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 that's what it is. Reach out, call Mr. Rouse. Who else do you think he should be calling? Contact your, your, your governor's office and your senator's office. I just wanted there to be an outpour and an outcry because if you don't talk to these people and they don't see that it's picking up traction, we have people, social media, I don't, I'm not personally on social media. Um, however, friends and family are on social media, Instagram, Facebook, share, like, um, anything just to get the awareness out. He's, he's being threatened to be raped and killed. There's something, a button that can be pushed. I'm, I'm calm because I'm learning that he needs me. So, whether it's now or later, mm-hmm. you will answer. What? Slow and steady pressure. That's what they teach us. Slow and steady pull. You always get your target when your breathing is uncontrol- is under control. It's all about the fundamentals. And fun- fundamentally, his case been messed up since day one, and they know it. So, they cannot let him get out and tell it. They cannot. But see, now, I have it. I got it, and I'm a true warrior at heart. So whether it's Emmett himself or him speaking through me, we have everything we need. We just need some help pushing it out there and getting some awareness to this. My brother's name is Emmett George Roscoe Jr. That is a powerful name Mm -hmm. when you dissect it. Word, though. Mm. My brother laid on the floor and cried all night long in pain. They broke his arm. They beat on him, and he's 137 pounds and five foot six inches. He is not a a big threat or any, no weapons or anything like that. So your resources will not be wasted. He's using his words, and the pen is mightier than the sword, and they don't like that. How's this black man beating us at our own game and making us pay him our money? And how was the man that he sued still there? Let it unravel and make it make sense. Well, I want to run this back again. You know what I mean? We got more time. You know what I mean? And um, as y'all continue to push, you know what I mean? We can sit down and just chop it up and unpack whatever else, other parts y'all want to. A pack of this, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to get on the case. Um, I'm already on the case, bro. Like, like they're, 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 they're. Uh, I'm sorry. They're this family is not. They're not brokering any kind of just glossing over things. So I'm not glossing over, and I hate to lose. Now, I was successful in the court the way I was because I don't like losing. I'm meticulous. She's meticulous. I turned. I see you. You remind me of me. No, because she 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 grabs she gets the small things. The devil is in the details, as they say. Michelle. So she's picking this case apart and she say things that remind me of how I dissect files. Mm-hmm. That's how most of the time when you're out here and you're trying to fight the system, you don't know anything because you you you, you ha- your life hasn't slowed down yet. But when you slow down, but her life hasn't slowed down. She she I don't know how she does it. She I don't know. It's, I don't know. She hits the brakes at times, but I don't think that people should be able to hit the brakes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I just don't. I don't. 
I understand I both sides of that. You're, you're talking to somebody who learned patience in a way of, of being, I study it. Why? Because growing up in the environment that I grew up in, there was one piece of advice that I got, and they said, read. Slow down and read. I done been up to Maryland and read every law, bylaw, policy, visitation. He's not getting visitation. Legally, he is supposed to because that is what their policy states. I read the PREA Act. I read the, the Information Act. And all these things are black and white. We are being pushed by the governor's office so there is no way you don't know what is going on in your own facility under your own nose. If so, find another job. The, the crazy part is that public outcry and outrage gets the needle moving nowadays. Yes. I mean? So we're going to do what we can do on this end to get the word out and share this clip and get as many Thank people you. can, you know what I mean? Like I said, we, and we'll, we'll run it back again and um, how we talk about the case and all that. And uh, I'll make sure all the information is included on the screen and all the information that all the clips put out, especially his name. Thank you. And, um, appreciate you, bro. Yeah, we'll just go from there. Keep it moving forward. Thank you. Appreciate I appreciate y'all pulling up. Absolutely. Oh, you got somebody here working for this. Unorthodox Haven, Unorthodox Haven. 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 Unorthodox Haven.